What would you give my report so far if you were grading me in school? I mean, I could have done with a PowerPoint, but it's not, it's, it's pretty good, like B plus. Thank you. I'll take a B plus. Welcome to another episode of Two Two Guys, a podcast about ballet hosted by ballet dancers. My name is Keelan, and on today's episode, we have special guest Taylor Gill. Am I pronouncing that right? Yes. Hi, everyone. Okay. Happy to be here. Today, we're going to talk about Swan Lake, which is probably the most famous ballet, kind of the most iconic ballet there is. And I thought, who better to ask to talk about that with than you? <laughs> Where are you right now? Edmonton, Alberta. Edmonton, more like Edmonton, am I right? <laughs> um, I used to, yeah. I used to live in Edmonton, so I can, I can say things like that. <laughs> um, yeah, you live in one of the coldest places in the world, right? I mean, sometimes it was colder than the Arctic last week, apparently. Yeah, have you ever been there when it was like minus fifty? No, I think the coldest that I've seen on the. Like without wind chill is minus 38. But then you Celsius. add the wind chill, which is. Yeah. Then it's easily minus 50. I don't know what wind chill actually is, but if somebody says, hey, it's minus 38, but it feels like minus 50, to me, that's as good as saying it's minus 50. True. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's the same with the other one with heat, where they're like, well, it's, it's plus 30, but with the humidex, it feels like plus 40. Why don't we just call it plus 40 then? Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever seen the Northern Lights, the Aurora Borealis? Yes, but not here. I remember when I was living there in grade 12, my last year of high school, I would take the dog out for like 11 p.m. walks or whatever, right? And uh, I think there, my mother would be asleep at that point I would, when I'd take him out for his last walk. And there were it was maybe two nights in a row where... I went out for the walk, I looked up and I saw the sky was like lit up, right? It was like purple and green. I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. I gotta, I gotta tell my mom. And so I'd get her, I'd go wake her up and be like, mom, come, you gotta look at this guy because she'd come outside and look at it. But by then it was gone. Oh, no. And so I was like, I swear to God, <laughs> it was really nice. Like five minutes ago or whatever. But yeah, beautiful. Nice. Well, I, th I have you on today so we can talk about Swan Lake, the epic ballet that it is. But maybe before we get to that, would you be willing to tell us a little bit about who you are and you know why it is that you've come to be on a podcast about ballet yeah for sure um I guess I'll give you a little life story but based on the ballet thread since that's why we're here um so basically I grew up in Calgary Alberta and um I trained at Alberta Ballet School there for the most part and then when I was 13 I went to Royal Winnipeg Ballet School for a boarding school I only stayed there for a year and they told me I could never be a ballet dancer. So then I had to prove them wrong, I guess. Um, and after that, I moved to Vancouver and trained at Pacific Dance Arts for most of my serious training. After I graduated, I got to go to Miami City Ballet School for a year. So South Beach was pretty nice. Mm -hmm. um, and then I got my first job in Atlanta at Atlanta Ballet in Georgia. Mm -hmm. And then I came back to Canada and worked with 
Canada's ballet organ for nine years before mm -hmm. I retired from ballet. And um, now I'm going to university and I'm about to finish my undergrad in like, I think it's five weeks or something. <laughs> Not that I'm counting. Right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for taking the time to do this. Considering it's like so close, I can understand you just being like tunnel vision. I'm only thinking about school. Anything's better than studying. Like I shovel snow all the time. Right. My neighbors are like, what are you doing? Like we can shovel. I'm like, it's okay, you know, I don't yeah. want to study, so. They're like, it didn't even snow. You're like, I'm just gonna just, I want to keep in the habit of shoveling, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I happen to know that you have something interesting happening today. I don't know if I'll leave this in, but like, do you want to tell us what you're doing today? Okay, so um, yeah, at university, I'm studying science, I guess, for the most part, and I'm doing, working in a lab doing research on neurodegenerative diseases and dementias um, caused by traumatic brain injuries. So today I am going to the lab and doing um, one of my first experiments that's actually mine, like I planned it and I'm, I bred the fish for it and I'm carrying it out. So we work with zebrafish. Um, so it's a little bit sad, but- Zebrafish, are those fish that became zebras or zebras that became fish? Like which orders <laughs> did it go? I think they're probably fish that became zebras, okay. like yeah. zebra-like. That checks out. So yeah, I, I'm going, to, yesterday I screened them all. So I looked at them with a special microscope and I had to find the ones that had the right genes. So I had to look for their glowing green hearts under mm. the microscope mm. i can send you a video it's pretty sweet very, actually you can see their hearts beating it's really it's cool. very grinch like the glowing green heart <laughs> yeah um and then today i'm going to give them traumatic brain injuries by dropping weights onto a syringe with them inside Boo! sorry yeah it's all for the children that's though all of the fish enthusiasts just turned off this episode like that's what we <laughs> That's sad. No, they want me to the... send them the heart video, I think. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So basically, because a lot of children get brain injuries in sports and stuff like that. So I'm figuring out why so that we right. can stop it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So different to dancing, right? <laughs> I mean, I only have one connection for you, like from, from that. So have you seen the viral video of the woman with Alzheimer's watching? Yeah. Listening to Swan Lake music? Mm -hmm. yeah okay good mm -hmm. so yeah basically an old woman with severe alzheimer's who probably doesn't know who she is anymore um they play swan lake music for her and she used to be a principal with new york city ballet and um as the music goes on she kind of gets going and she starts doing the movements from swan lake that she probably danced i don't know 40 years before so uh, more probably more maybe 60 years before yeah so, so Remarkable. yeah, it's pretty transcending, I guess, when, when you have that as a big part of your life. Remarkable how out of everything in her life, ballet, the movements and the music remain. People ask, how do you remember all the choreography, right? And there's something about the body memory and the muscle memory where I remember choreography from you know, my childhood and I've since danced like a career's worth of choreography, but I can remember steps. Once you play the music, somehow the body just learns it in a different way. Maybe it's a different part of the brain that retains it. I don't know. Um, it is. 
Right. Okay. I can tell you. Right. Um, you mentioned that you were told that you would never be a dancer. We don't need to dwell on it, but I just want to highlight it, like point it out to say, here's yet another person who's gone on to have a great career, but who was at some point in their youth told this is never going to happen for you. That might even be just the, the impetus for having this podcast in the first place is I was told that so much and it turned out to be a false statement that I couldn't make it. And so I want to kind of create a platform that reminds people just because some random director doesn't see your potential doesn't mean you don't have potential. Right? Yeah, for sure. So yeah, we're going to talk about Swan Lake though. Uh, how old were you when you first performed Swan Lake, like in any role? Yeah. So I guess because it's such an iconic ballet, it's, it's kind of been the most memorable ballet that's been woven throughout my career. The first time I ever did it, I was 12, I would say. Um, and I did Little Swan. So the four signets that dance in unison holding hands. And I was just a little beanstalk who couldn't really control my feet, but it was still very fun. And then I did it again in Vancouver when I was 15 or 16. We did Little Swans again with different people. That was pretty cool because Evelyn Hart, who's a super famous Canadian dancer, she came and guested with our school. Mm. And so I think she did like maybe white swan solo and we did little swans or something. So then I have a photo of me like bowing beside her in the yeah. white tutus. Right. So that was pretty special. And then I also did black swan pas de grandpa when I was there at Pacific Dance Arts. So that was the first like full pas de that I did. Mm. And the black swan solo was like my favorite. That was totally my jam. So you got so much attitude. Yeah, I really liked that. So our school went to Mexico to do a little performance tour kind of thing and um that I was performing the black swan one part of when we were there so it yeah. has a lot of cool memories so you have a history of touring like doing black swan on tour <laughs> yeah that, yeah that comes back yeah and we were yeah so we were in Puerto Vallarta and um we were taking class on this little like veranda looking over the beach and I remember practicing my what day spotting like a planet or the moon or something I was like right. this is the coolest day <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, it was pretty cool. And then I guess I did Little Swans a lot of times. So then I did it again in Atlanta. That was my first time I was getting paid to do it, I suppose. Mm -hmm. I was second cast Little Swans. So that was pretty exciting. Yeah, super hard times. I had to put my feet in a bucket of ice every night because Swan Lake was just so much, so hard. It's so hard for the girls, um, Yeah. the core girls and everything. The unsung heroes of that ballet are the core women because they're on stage for like so much of it yeah there's very little um spotlight given to them right although when the audience talks about why swan lake is so magical i often hear them say all the all the people dancing in together like the white scenes the swans are mm -hmm. the most amazing thing but yeah individually they're kind of faceless i suppose mm -hmm. but yeah so i did it little swans there then finally i did it with ballet organ twice i suppose like about four years apart i think and that was my first full-length principal role that i ever did so um i remember at the beginning of the year the director was like so you're gonna be doing it you're gonna be doing you know odette odile and i was like what like are you sure wait the beginning of the year <laughs> yeah yeah so you didn't like know September. like the season before you didn't know he just was like yeah, like I wasn't you couldn't sure. even really prepare mentally or physically in the summer. It was just 
I guess we started, I guess we started working on it in the summer, but I think it was like, oh, you're doing, you're doing, um, one of the shows that's in October kind of thing. And I was like, oh, what? So in September, they told you, hey, basically five weeks from now you're doing, yeah, I kind of figured, you know, I had until after Nutcracker or something, but it didn't work like that. Yeah. Just getting the challenge, I guess, of performing that role multiple times and then getting to do it again four years later and seeing how much easier and different it was I suppose right so yeah it's kind of been a thread during my dance journey as I'm I'm sure it is for so many dancers simply by virtue of how much it's in the repertoire of schools and companies yeah would probably yeah be a touchstone for a lot of people throughout their upbringing and their careers yeah uh, it's your first time doing it. You were 12. I think I was also 12. It was when the National Ballet of Canada premiered a new version of it. And, oh, wait, no. I thought I was in grade seven, but no, I was seven. Yeah, it was that. That's right. I was seven years old. And they needed kids to be on stage just like holding some lanterns. And I was one of those kids. So like the original cast. So if you go to those costumes for the little page boys, my name would theoretically still be like kind of the first one and it was cool because we got to miss a lot of school for it and we got to be you know part of the show and but the role was just to stand holding these lanterns which got heavier and heavier over the course of the 40 minute act and we would just be standing so bored like starting to like wobble getting (laughs) dizzy just like dehydrated just so tired anyhow it was a good experience and I remember um I guess I remember that mostly because one I got a really big scar on my finger that was like traumatizing at the time um how but so before one of the performances the person who was in charge of taking care of the kids Laurel Toda who I've mentioned before in the Nutcracker episode she's a godsend she took all of the kids in the show to um the old spaghetti factory it's just like a just a restaurant in Toronto and they had these old sewing machines underneath the table oh, yeah, totally. that you could play with and you could pump them with your feet. So you'd make them the wheel spin with your feet. And I was sitting across from somebody, one of my friends, and we were making the sewing machine go really quickly. And I was just feeling it because it was very smooth. And so you're just feeling the wheel as it spins very smooth on my finger. And I guess there was like a jagged piece that stuck out and it just sliced right through my finger. And I just remember like, oh, this is really bleeding a lot. Like I've never seen this dark of a red come out of my hand before. And uh, it was really just spaghetti sauce. <laughs> yeah. That's when we found out that I'm actually spaghetti on the inside. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyways, that was one of the Swan Lake memories somehow, which has nothing to do with actually the Swan Lake Ballet. But one I remember is legendary principal from National Ballet of Canada, Rex Harrington. Now, I don't know if it was the same performance or if it was two performances that I'm like in my mind putting them together, but there's the moment where Siegfried's friend, Benno, calls him on stage. And in this show, Rex just didn't show up. So they're just like, dun, da, da, dun. and there was no prince. And they're like, again, no prince. And he came on like 10 seconds later, whatever it was, just like flustered, right? <laughs> and I, I think it was in that same performance. I guess it was probably his variation because he wouldn't have had other solos in Act 3. But he did a pirouette and he like fell down on the floor and he was like on his butt and he had to like roll to get up. And I just, as a kid, was like- It's a bad day. <laughs> ballet's tough. Yeah. Hard out there. Um, 
So I've prepared a little bit of a report. And I, I haven't prepared a report really for anything since I was in high school. And even then, I didn't put a lot of effort into them usually. So I've tried this time. And so we're going to see how it goes. So the story of Swan Lake is considered a fairy tale. Uh, but the ballet itself is a romantic ballet because there's different styles of ballet, right? This is a romantic ballet. The music, of course, is Tchaikovsky. It was actually his first ever ballet score that he composed. So pretty good start. Yeah. The story itself, it's generally believed to be based on the either the German fairy tale, The Stolen Veil, or the Russian folk tale, The White Duck. But it's... Unclear. I'd say the white duck has more more points so far. The white, based on name alone, the white duck <laughs> is probably in the in the lead. Um, the music was composed from uh, 1875 to 1876, and it premiered in 1877. So it premiered with the Bolshoi Ballet on March 4th, 1877, in Moscow, choreographed by Julius Reisinger, who is actually uh, Czech, and so his actual name. I don't know how to pronounce this. Vaclav Reisinger. I'm going to guarantee that's wrong, but he went by Julius when he was working in Russia. Good call. Um, yeah. So it initially failed and it wasn't successful until Petipa restaged it in 1895 for the Mariinsky. But before we get there, so the initial reviews for the production in 1877 were as follows. The music was too noisy, too symphonic. Reisinger's choreography, unimaginative and unmemorable. The story regarded as stupid with character surnames unpronounceable. Reading that, I thought, oh, this could actually, like, this review could be for a modern ballet too. Like, the choreography is unimaginative. Like, that's still something you hear when new ballets are premiered, right? It's funny that they cared so much about the characters' names because, like, you never hear them said. It's a ballet. <laughs> like, true, all you yeah. do is read the program or whatever. So, who cares if you can't pronounce them? That's, That's a good point. really funny critique. Despite the lackluster reception, it did receive 41 performances between its premiere in 77 and its final performance in 83. So, for a ballet that wasn't received well, it still got quite a lot of play. Over the 1880s and 1890s, talks to revive Swan Lake were happening. They were in process. And Tchaikovsky, unfortunately, he died November 6th, 1893. And so he wasn't there to actually see the ballet be remade. He didn't actually get to witness that. But uh, in his place, Ricardo Drigo took over to revise the score. And his is the version we're most familiar with. So he made some adjustments to it. And that's the one that is so iconic now. So Petipa, Marius Petipa, like the legend, the OG, he staged acts one and three. And Lev Ivanov, who's also an absolute legend, he choreographed and staged acts two and four. So the white acts were Ivanov and the, like, I don't know what, the non-white acts, the, the ones with people were done by Petipa. That makes sense actually, they're so different. Yeah, really almost like the, the white acts are almost like a singular vision, you know, and he really, he really handled that. Yeah. Um, so no written instruction for the score is known to have survived. And so I asked actually Dan Bartholomew, uh, who we've worked with as a conductor before, I asked him, what did that mean? Like, and so what he's saying is, 
because of this, there are therefore a range of tempos that can be taken, and it's basically up to the decision of the conductor. Um, they'll usually have a lot of reasons to play things the way they do, either based on the composer style, the needs of the musicians, the needs of the physical space, and of course, what the dancers ask for, but they will come to their own conclusions. And so therefore, you may have a conductor who plays it really, really fast, or a conductor who believes it should be played really slowly, and that's just the deal. You can beg them to play it differently, but it's kind of up to them because Tchaikovsky didn't make it clear. Well, maybe it's better because if we had Tchaikovsky's word, then we'd have like no chance in being like, those fuentes need to be slower. They'd be like, no man, Tchaikovsky said. So maybe it's for the best. Maybe, yeah. Yep. So it was restaged in 1895 and Pierina Legnani, an Italian soloist, was the first Odette Odile in Pettifus premiere. And she is said to have set the standard for how the ballet or how the character has been interpreted ever since. So shout out to her for really setting the tone. Um, for the update, Tchaikovsky's brother, Modeste, his name was Modeste, he rewrote some of the libretto and the libretto was basically the story of the ballet, right? It's kind of the synopsis of the plot. And, and so he made some updates, including the villain became Rothbart as opposed to Odette's stepmother. So initially it had been her evil stepmother, which is a theme you see in other fairy tales, right? The evil stepmother. Yeah. Originally at the end, Siegfried and Odette were killed by the stepmother. And in the updated libretto, they both chose suicide, but they were reunited with a happier, happier ending. <laughs> Since the 1895 version, countless restagings have been done. They're all largely based on the Pedipa restaging, um, but of course, everybody's got their own take on it. So much of the choreography is basically regarded as sacred, right? Like if you were to change some of the elements of Cygnets or the Black Swan solo or things like that, it would just seem really out of place, right? I mean, if you change it enough, then it's okay again, right? So like the all male version of right. Swan Lake and stuff, you just have to either change it a whole lot or don't touch it. <laughs> Okay, so how about I just go through the notable characters in the ballet, and so we can kind of re review all the people who are usually in the show. So most famously, of course, Odette Odile. Do you want to talk a little bit about the who those people are, since you've actually performed those roles? Yeah, so in the ballet, it's, traditionally, it's danced by the same person, even though they're supposed to be different people in the story, different characters. So um, Odette is the white swan um the maiden that gets captured and um she's supposed to be very pure and Odile is the black swan she is Rothbart's daughter who is impersonating Odette in order to trick the prince basically and so they are played by the same dancer so that the, they look the same so that the trickery is believable because she's supposed to be disguised with magic to look exactly like the white swan for years, I couldn't remember the difference. Like I never remembered which one was which, right? But then I developed a little trick where, <laughs> certainly not impressive at all, but um, so Odile is spelled O-D-I-L-E. And I think of like, oh, okay, crocodile. Cause that's the ending <laughs> of the word crocodile. Yeah. And crocodile, if anything's gonna be an evil animal, it'd be a crocodile. So that's how I would remember the difference, right? Odette is nice and crocodile is the scary one. <laughs> 
right. the other the other main characters are their male counterpart the lead in the show is prince siegfried uh von rothbard or count rothbard baron von rothbard depending on the version is the evil sorcerer there is traditionally the queen who is the mother of siegfried uh and there's a guy named benno now not all versions use benno but benno is the name of the prince's best friend and in my research i found he even has a last name Benno von Summerstern. And I'm going to guess that 99% of the dancers who've actually danced the role of Benno had no idea that their guy had a last name. <laughs> the other notable ones, just from a dancing perspective, are the characters that dance the pas de trois, because that is such a fun, kind of heavy, intense soloist part. So the pas de trois have a big featured section in the first act and the jester. Not every version has a jester or a fool, sometimes called, but those can be really fun roles as well. So those are kind of the main players. And then you've got, of course, the core of swans, however many there might be, um, the court people, the different princesses who come in third act. There's a whole bunch, but- The, the king and queen, soloists. or at least the queen. I don't think there's a king usually, but the queen I mentioned, the queen is the mother. Yeah. So those are the main characters, okay. So now let's just go over the story a little bit. So for those of us who don't know the story at all, this will help. And for those who do, maybe we'll learn a little bit something new because I certainly learned a few details I had no idea about. So the ballet often opens with a prologue where Odette is captured and transformed from a maiden into a swan. In act one, it's the prince's birthday. He's celebrating with his friends and the queen comes in and concerned about her, his cavalier lifestyle says, okay, you need to get married now. You're going to have to pick a wife very soon. She often gives him a crossbow, which he keeps throughout the rest of Act 1 and then Act 2. Um, but he's, at that point, very sad. Um, and in trying to cheer him up, his friends dance, and they say, why don't we go into the forest and we can go hunt? Act 2 begins. Siegfried has become separated from his friends in the forest. And as he's wandering around, he sees the swan's land, and as he's going to shoot them, one of them transforms into this maiden. So he, he's very Kind of like a swan maiden, though. It's not like fully human. Yeah, she's not like in jeans or anything. She's still <laughs> got some feathers. He approaches her and she's afraid, but he promises he's not there to harm her. She explains that she and these fellow swans are all under a spell where they turn human at night, but by day they have to be swans and that it's been done by the evil sorcerer Rothbard. Only true love can break this spell, and it's further said that if Rothbard dies before the spell is broken, they will be trapped like this forever. So I didn't know that piece. So he can't just go kill Rothbard and fix it, because then they would be locked. It has to be true love that breaks it first. Right. Mm, that makes sense. So as they dance, they fall in love, and then as dawn approaches, Odette is pulled away by Rothbard's magic, to become a swan again. And to be fair, I don't know how the audience gets all of those nuances of the story because basically Odette has like just a very short mime, mime section that says like, stop, please don't shoot my friends. And that's pretty much it. So I think you definitely have to read the program on that one. Yeah, or listen to this podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ballet miming is always so funny too because it's like, we have to make this really simple yeah. We need somebody who's sitting in the back row to understand. 
But I guess you definitely understand Rothbart pulling her away. That yeah. part's clear. Yeah, the his magic. Yeah. So then usually at that point, there's intermission. So that's usually the first part of the show. Originally, actually, Swan Lake was in four acts and they had three intermissions, but then they condensed it so that the technically what is act two, the, the white scene where they meet the swans for the first time, that's called act one, scene two, just to, I guess, make it not a four and a half hour production. And they call it a white scene because all the girls are in white tutus. Yeah. So then we have intermission. People get a little tipsy. They come back, sit down, act three. So at this point, delegations from varying nations, neighboring nations have arrived at the palace for this grand ball. The prince is meant to pick a bride and there are numerous princesses attending, hoping that he picks them. The different groups dance, you've got the, what do we have? Neapolitan, Chardash, Mazurka, Spanish? Yeah. There's probably more. There's just, there's a whole bunch. Um, so you've got these different kind of nationalities represented. Um, on stage and then the princesses come out and they dance the prince is usually involved and he sees them all dance and he much to the chagrin of his mother his queen mother says i'm not interested in any of these women at that point rothbart and he thinks odette but in fact odile they enter and he's immediately put under some kind of a spell right and they dance they dance the black swan pot at a Odile is much more uh, sensual, right? And like, she kind of, I think she appeals to his more animal nature. And by the end of the pot de, he asks his mother, can I marry her? I love her, she's the one. And in swearing his love to Odile, uh, Rothbart reveals that it was a ruse and he's lost any hope at ever being with Odette and he's condemned her to a lifetime of, or to an eternity of, of this spell she's under. Rothbard and Odile disappear, they run off, and the prince, full of regret, follows them, chases them off to the lake. Uh, that section right there is like super intense, the music is really powerful and stuff. You have to try not to like trip running into the wings with all abandon. Yeah, or bonk your head on something <laughs> in the wings because it's really dark back there, yeah. I certainly. Yeah. Bang my head on a, on a post at some point. Often this will just be a small pause while the set changes and maybe some quick changes happen for costumes, but some versions will actually take an intermission here as well and then act four as its own thing. That would have been really nice. I could have used that break. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, you just finished one of the hardest things in your life. Now you have like maybe three minutes to change before you have to go back out and do a yeah. bunch more. To me, it's just like, it's just getting a bit long. If they're like, all right, another 25 minute intermission to just watch the story wrap up. I just feel like there's going to be a lot of people yeah. falling asleep. It's true. Our attention spans aren't very long these days. In Atlanta, the, the top of the fourth act, they um, close the curtains and then they pump a ton of like really heavy kind of like fog, dry ice. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is yeah. stuff onto the stage. So it all sits really low to the ground but all the swans have to be like laying on the ground under this fog and it's impossible right. to breathe. It's like, you're just suffocating there. I'm trying not to cough. And then finally they open the curtain and we all start moving. And as we move, it makes air and the fog dissipates. It's super beautiful, but really not fun to be in the fog. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. At some point that'll be like a human rights violation 
but for now it's just pretty art yeah look at the pretty ballerinas mom they're in the smoke oh okay lovely (laughs) okay so in act four the story is pretty straightforward um odette's really sad and the swans are there comforting her siegfried enters he explains and he apologizes over the course of his apology she forgives him but okay and then we get to the differing versions so i'm just going to give a couple kind of notable examples but basically every possible ending has happened at some point right but here are just a few that stand out so very often there's some fight between rothbart and siegfried and sometimes rothbart loses so siegfried wins and his true love is strong enough to beat rothbart break the spell and they live happily ever after sometimes siegfried loses rothbart wins and odette is trapped forever not so happy Um, a very common kind of classic ending is that odette and siegfried fling themselves into the lake to die but they so that they can be together forever in death and in doing so they are freed their spirits are freed and all of the swans are also released so that breaks the spell for all of the swans right and usually they they you see them literally throwing themselves into the wing from a high height um and it's quite beautiful the swan kind of like throws her head back and just like floats into the wing and you see her disappear as she's falling if you're if you're backstage it's like a different sort of experience there's basically a huge gym mat and she has to fall grace like look graceful and then smash onto the gym mat in her tutu yeah (laughs) so and it's like oh i need to practice my i need to practice the ending and they like jump off a bunch of times quite funny i was really hoping we would do that version so that i could do that because i personally think that would be a blast but alas no such luck yeah yeah we actually had a really sad ending in our version uh siegfried and rothbart fight siegfried kills rothbart but is wounded mortally in the process and he you know this really well he then needs to basically crawl back to center center so that he can be in the light when he dies otherwise this whole thing happens in the dark it's very awkward Um, but he dies in uh, in your arms odette comes back back in her dress from the beginning in the prologue and she weeps as um, she has been freed but siegfried has died in the process yeah that's another amazing quick change moment so basically as Rothbard dies yeah the spell is broken and the swan maiden turns back into just a ordinary maiden and basically I'm boring at the back I have to there's a bunch of swans in front of me kind of concealing Odette she slips behind the set piece and there's someone that's been waiting there for like I don't know how long since the beginning of third act I think so for like a good 45 minutes and as quickly as possible I slip into this big kind of like cupcake dress that goes on top of the tutu but it just looks like kind of a very puffy gown um, and change my headpiece everything really quickly and then come back out to have my prince die in my arms it's very sad but Super quite sad, nice. yeah. quite cool I think looks good there's something about like sad endings that somehow feels I don't want to say they feel better, but there's, they feel different, but they can feel really nice to have these like really sad moments. And I guess as human beings, we love a sad story. We love sad movies. Like um, we like sad songs. So there's something about this kind of heartbreak that we enjoy that kind of pain somehow. 
And I think that's an example of it, at least for you. Cause as, as the Siegfried just kind of like laying there, we're just like, okay, don't laugh. Try not to breathe too heavily. Cause then it's, you're obviously still alive, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Even though you're super, super exhausted, you can't breathe. So, so out of breath. Yeah. It was like, it was like suffocating at those moments. Cause it's like, okay, <laughs> yeah. you just did a whole dance and a whole fight scene and you just finished basically still finished third act. And, um, but just like, don't move your chest though. Yeah. Gosh. Okay. I'll just breathe through my feet, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's, there's a happy part to it, right? Cause she wasn't stuck as a swan. So that's good. But overall, well, so, so sad. Different versions, right? So like in Estonia, it's happy. We have this, you know, no offense to anybody who choreographs ballet fights, but like, they're always a bit cheesy, right? Cause like oh, fake yeah. fighting is cheesy kind of inherently, but when it's like, okay, they all have to be ballet steps and it's gotta be musical. Like, okay, hey, you know, the suspension of disbelief needs to be pretty forgiving. And, but in Estonia, we were fighting and throw Rothbard off stage. And he's like, oh, oh, he's losing, he's losing. And then we, we go and help this swan up and we have this real kiss. Like it's, it's a real kiss and it's long. And you're just trying to like not, <laughs> and, and just keep it together. And, um, and like kissing a beak is super awkward. <laughs> yeah, at this point she's put the beak on, no. <laughs> No, fortunately, the, <laughs> nobody's gone that literal with it. But uh, <laughs> but then she leaves and you're looking around for her and it's very emotional. And then you go and you you carry her on stage and you put her down and she marvels at how her, her human body is back and she's got this human dress on and we just kind of embrace beautifully at the end and that's it. And so that was a nice one. I, I enjoyed that one more, I think, than when I died <laughs> every time. Yeah. One of the things about that I remember about being super sad and having to cry over the prince at the end is um so when you're crying if you open your mouth it really looks like you're just laughing mm. and especially from far away on like in movies you can get away with it because you can see you know there's tears so okay because like our natural thing it does look like that it's very similar but if someone's in the audience and they can only see you know the outline of your mouth you don't want to look like you're they're like cackling over a, <laughs> a dead prince so just yeah. for any future future Odette's out there just close your mouth when you're when you're stage crying because they will look like you're sad I don't get it mom was, was she the bad guy all along <laughs> yeah um, okay well so that's the story so now we've covered story characters history why don't we talk about the music a little bit yeah what's one of your favorite things in the music I really like White Swan or Odette's entrance and it's supposed to be like she's alone by the lake kind of preening herself and the audience is just kind of like peering in on her little morning routine that's kind of how I imagined it I really liked dancing that part and I, I really love that music. Mm. Yeah, that's kind of that's a nice way of looking at it. Here's like this magical creature having a very personal moment. Yeah. The part in the music that is the most touching for me is the beginning of the fourth act.
almost every time I would just cry. Yeah, and uh, um, sometimes the music was the only thing that would uh, save the poor swan standing on the side for act two. So they have to stand there for so long and you can't move. You only get to switch positions every time that a new track starts, I guess you'd say. So it's maybe like two to three minutes just standing completely still. It's super painful because you've just been jumping around and then you have to stop and stand there and your blood's pumping, your muscles are cramping, you're in these dang point shoes. And yeah, I would stand on the side and look into the orchestra pit because I'd usually be at the front because I'm pretty short. Um, well, actually, I'm not that short, but it depends where you are. In Atlanta, mm -hmm. I was short, so I'd be in the mm -hmm. front, um, standing in B+, plus, which is like on one leg, so that poor one leg, just staring yeah. into the orchestra pit, watching the musicians, and that was the only thing that would save my life, because it was so beautiful to watch, like the harp, and yeah, so. As long as you don't, like, get dizzy from staring at something and then fall, because that would be really <laughs> obvious, especially if you're at the front. <laughs> yeah another piece in the score that is really special in the black swan potida after the pk turns she opens the attitude and there's silence and when it comes back i believe it's just a solo violin i'll play a section of that here oh sorry that was the wrong one no, here it is Wait, sorry, no, that wasn't it. Let me try again. Yeah, the, that whole part of the, the music does a really good job of supporting the story of Odile impersonating Odette. So she's this evil, like sharp, sinister character, but she's impersonating this innocent, beautiful, pure character, right? And trying to trick the prince. So she's fully like being seductive, but being sweet at the same time. And the music is just so perfect. Like it it tricks the prince for you, you know, you don't have to mm -hmm. worry. <laughs> mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. the PK turns are her being super exciting and enthralling him. And then it switches to being like, oh, in case that was too sharp, let me just remind you, I am Odette, you know? So it's, yeah, it's really beautiful. Yeah, well put, very well put. Maybe it's worth mentioning that you and I dance together as like principal partners. I don't think we've mentioned that yet. Oh yeah, it's true. So we worked together in Valley, Oregon for six years, and we were like a principal pairing for four, four of those years, basically. Yeah, so yeah, you are my second prince. <laughs> and you were my first swan queen. Yeah, I was lucky my first time I had a super patient, experienced dancer to who like stood there while I rehearsed everything over and over and over, and he was so patient. Yeah. Um, 
and then I got to be patient with you a little bit <laughs> while you learned how to like partner lame ducks and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And then funny as it, as it happened. And then when I went to Estonia and, and they started using me as, okay, she's having a premiere, put her with Keelan. I then became the patient one. Right. So like yeah. it was passed down. It's funny how it goes. And then, and then <laughs> actually, so like I worked with a, a woman named Ketlin and she pre- had a premiere with me. And after a few shows doing it with me, we got really strong at it. And they were like, okay, great. We're going to separate you and put her with the new people now. So it's, it just continues. You have to have one person who's not freaking out. <laughs> Agreed. For sure. Like I can still remember like the nerves I would feel as like, okay, yeah. they've done, they've done Mazurka. Okay. All right. Okay. Here we go. Like, well, actually I remember, I remember when I was doing Rothbart my first time and you were my my ordeal so we would go on together and I wasn't nervous coming on because Rothbard doesn't do anything and I would just be like you know just tranquil water and I'd be looking at you being like oh man like we're in very yeah. different spaces right now you know <laughs> um, and then yeah. flash forward four years later uh, we're doing it but now I'm the lead guy and like then you, you got know, it I got tons <laughs> of butterflies I got a whole where, where, where do butterflies live Ter- solariums right? sure I got a whole butterfly conservatory like in my stomach, yeah. like, and you're just trying to be like casual and confident with the princesses. But meanwhile, I'm just like, is my shoe falling off? Do I need to leave this? Is my shoe falling off? Do I need to leave the stage? Yeah. Yeah. We had two casts, um, usually, right? And um, at Ballyurgan and Sonia, who is the other cast, she's like, I don't know. Every time I see you doing, doing the part, I just think like, how is she doing that? And how do I ever do that? And I felt the same way watching her. I'm just like, oh how do I do that? And how is she doing that? Like, this is just so, it's just so, so physically demanding. Yeah. And mentally demanding, I guess. I think it was maybe my second show ever, the first time I did Odette Odile. And um, we were performing in London, Ontario, the super old, beautiful theater there. And White Swan Potida is kind of the first really challenging part for her, like stamina wise. And just, you have to be really precise Otherwise, things go off very easily. And we are doing it. And all of a sudden, I see out of the corner of my eye something like flying around, like just catch like a black streak kind of going across my vision. I'm like, what's happening? And then eventually, I figured out it was a bat flying around as we mm. were doing this very peaceful white swan potida. It's kind of funny because Rothbart sort of has a bat like feel to him. Yep. He has a big black cape. And so it was kind of almost perfect because it was like he was still there, you know? He's. Yeah. omnipresent as we are doing this white song potida but the audience kind of noticed it too and it was a little bit a little bit funny but um I guess it was kind of good because it broke my nervousness and like kind of gave me something else to think about rather than how terrified I was <laughs> that's crazy it's nice when stuff like that happens where you're like oh I'm never gonna forget this performance because like there was a bat on stage, you know, it's once in a lifetime kind of deal. Oh, I don't know what you, what you think about this, but I've heard before that bats aren't real. So like, what do you have to say to that? <laughs> yeah. Got to ask all the four-year-olds, I guess. Oh, the jury's still out for me. Um, what's it like doing the 32 fortes? Yeah. It's, it's kind of a mental exercise in a way. Like you can always, well, usually in rehearsal, it's okay. But it's partly like you're so tired. You've done so much by that point. So 
so exhausted and then just nervous because it's like, oh, I'm gonna look like a fool if I mess this up and I'm not supposed to be the jester. Mm -hmm. So definitely like a very nerve wracking moment. But like when we did it the first time, I was often like, wow, my director, you know, has a lot of trust in me because I usually would do like 28 because you have to be really strong, let's say. Like there's a reason that that's a principal role, you know? But then four years later, it was so much easier. Like I could do it with doubles thrown in there and it wasn't a problem, I don't think, ever. So I think it just, it's a matter of experience and confidence and yeah, definitely a nerve wracking moment though. You have to portray two characters in one show, Odette Odile. What did that feel like as a performer, as an artist? That's what made it really fun. I mean, that part's like, yeah. I would get bored if it was just Odette. Like, she's kind of boring. <laughs> but it's a, fun to do both. Do you have a preference? Like, one that felt better than the other? I like Black Swan. It's more fun. Like, get to be more interesting, more complex, right? Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, doing both is great because I love fourth act as Odette too. Being like heartbroken and dramatic that way is really fun. But no, it wasn't hard for me. It's not hard for me to switch. I don't think it's a challenge. It's just the technique was more of a struggle than the performance part for me. Right. Well, yeah, the technique is no joke. Maybe we can kind of finish up with some trivia. Okay. So the White Swan potted a beautiful music is fashioned from an aria he composed for uh, an opera that he abandoned. So the opera, I'm gonna pronounce it as best I can, Voyevoda, it was scrapped, but he took inspiration for the White Swan Pop. I wish someone would um, like try to write an aria based on that again, you know, that'd be cool. Yeah, that would be beautiful. In 1968, there was a new rose created called Schwanensee which translates from German to Swan Lake. So, um, and it is a white rose that is called nice. Swan Lake. Nice. So, uh, in late Soviet times, the TV schedule would be interrupted to play Swan Lake on TV when somebody really important died. So when like one of the heads of state in the Soviet Union died, all TV would be interrupted and they would play Swan Lake, right? It's like and the so, half-mast flag. Yeah, basically, right? But just think like you just turn on the TV to watch your favorite show and just every station is playing Swan Lake, right? Like, okay. Mm -hmm. um, and in 1991, there was a coup attempt in that August and uh, much of the USSR had this broadcast on all stations for three days. So just like- Trying to so like much... calm the people? I guess calm the people and then like just prevent other information maybe from getting right. out. Right. But it was just- literally 72 hours straight of this ballet oh wow. and uh my last piece of trivia the odile costume wasn't even black initially and it had no feathers until even pretty long after the pedipa revision so she was just initially wearing uh like a blue dress and, oh, had, wow. and made made no attempt to have feathers to make it look like a bird so that was relying more heavily on oh there's a spell he's under Right. But now it's like, Interesting. it's all bird-like all the time now. Okay, I got one more thing here before we can wrap up. And it's just um, other notable adaptations. So for those of us who haven't seen Swan Lake or been in Swan Lake, 
it's so ubiquitous, right? And I think that's because it's shown up in other media so much. And so I thought we could just at least lightly touch on those and uh, and maybe kind of show people other examples of Swan Lake in the world. Sound good? Okay, yeah. So I guess maybe most notably, uh, the 2010 film Black Swan, for <laughs> which Natalie Portman won Best Actress at the Academy Awards. Um, I know that when that movie came out, uh, ticket sales for Swan Lake, like all over the world, but especially in America, shot up. And there were a lot of phone calls reported where people were saying, hey, is Natalie Portman going to be doing the lead in this show? Like <laughs> people were very confused. Um, what did you think of that movie? Um, I thought that it was 80% accurate to the life of a ballet dancer. Like they, they embellish the extremes of how crazy things get, but the anxiety and the psychosis and the, you know, the pain we endure, like a lot of it was really, really accurate. Um, I wasn't able to get into the movie or the horror of that the movie is supposed to um, give because I was just laughing the whole time. <laughs> yeah, for sure there's like aspects that are real, but I just thought it was pretty ridiculous. Like I was just laughing. <laughs> I don't think it was in intended to be a comedy. So no, I guess no. they didn't nail it for you. No. Um, Miss Piggy famously danced on the Muppets with Nureyev. And I just watched this today, actually. It's actually quite funny because Nureyev's like really funny. Um, oh. And it's like a full-sized Miss Piggy costume, which I would assume also has given some children nightmares because it's kind of a terrifying, like six foot two Miss Piggy. Um, but the Muppets was very funny. And so I'm guessing some people's exposure was probably through Miss Piggy. <laughs> I know a lot of people saw the Barbie Swan Lake uh, film and that that actually oh. influenced kids it came out in 2003 and it made a lot of changes to the source material but she does dance and it is more or less a swan lake story in barbie form so i'm sure a lot of people were introduced that way um as you had mentioned earlier matthew Bourne's swan lake uh premiered in 1995 and which is cool because it's 100 years after pedipo's revision so it's a cool kind of century mark um it was an all-male core of swans, and it focused more on the psychological pressures of a young aristocrat struggling with his sexuality and an emotionally distant mother. It's really beautiful. The men were wearing kind of like long, like sort of skirts with like, and then topless on top is really gorgeous. Another cool adaptation that comes to mind is, um, I think it was English National Ballet that did Swan Lake in the Round. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so they basically, you know, took like a Shakespearean type of theater setup where the audience was all around the stage. I think that's a really cool idea. So my director from Estonia, Tom, he was Siegfried in that, like he did that. And oh, I got cool. to see a video of him do it. And you see his, he changes his front in his variation for every section. Wow. Uh, because it's audiences all over the place. He's changing. He would actually do a double tour one direction, land it, turn around, go backwards, like go behind him for the next double tour just to involve everybody. That's so cool. I, I, I want to see the full length of that. Yeah, I can, I can ask Tom if he can pirate one for me. Yeah. <laughs> More recently, a ballet called Aswan Lake by Alexander Ekman premiered at Norwegian National Ballet. The first act is a mix of theater and dancing and the second act features 5,000 liters of water on stage. And it's more of a contemporary approach to the choreography and story. Um, but it's, it's beautiful and like actual lake. Yeah. 
like you just cool. see that they're just moving through the water the whole time wow that's awesome i neglected to mention matthew Bourne's swan lake is featured in the film and the musical adaptation billy elliot right where that's true billy elliot his whole journey is to become a ballet dancer against all odds and at the end of the the piece spoiler alert he ends up doing the lead in matthew Bourne's swan lake so that's his his triumphant moment it even makes its way into video games in the video game called Overwatch, which won the 2016 game of the year. One of the characters called Widowmaker. If you unlock them or purchase them, you can have this video game character dressed as Odette and Odile in full on point shoes and tutu and everything. <laughs> it's really all over the place. I'm pretty sure you're forgetting like how you made a cameo in a drag show. Something oh, yeah. to Swan Lake. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I did a drag Swan Lake as well. Um, We'll, we'll get into that. Maybe we'll have Brooklyn on at some point as a guest and we'll talk about it then. Oh, yeah. Okay, so there's one thing that I'd forgotten to mention, which is I told you I went in like a Wikipedia hole. This is the Wikipedia hole I went down. Okay. So Siegfried is said to be loosely based on the Bavarian king Ludwig II. He was obsessed with swans and he had an actual castle built called, and I'm going to try to pronounce this, Neuschwanstein, which translates to new swan stone or rather swan on the rock castle so he he was a royal but he didn't really have any influence and to kind of compensate for that he was building all of these grand things right he was building these grand palaces and stuff and this one is really beautiful i highly recommend you check it out it's gorgeous and it was in construction for 23 years like it took forever to build this thing and he moved in in 1884 so it started 1869 finished 1892 he moved in 1884 before it was even finished and he was sent to an insane asylum because the people who were in charge of the country and watching him spend all the money put him into bankruptcy said this guy's got to be crazy put him in an asylum so he actually only got to live in this thing for 172 days very sad so he was put in this asylum and the day after he was put in he was found dead in a lake but the, the details surrounding his death are very mysterious because there was no water in his lungs. The water was very shallow and he's a really good swimmer. So it didn't, none of it made sense. But alas, the Siegfried obsessed with swans was based on the guy who was obsessed with swans who lived in a castle uh, and who died in a lake. So there are some <laughs> strange conspiracy theory potentials. Uh, Sounds like that would have been a better Black Swan movie, like way more potential there. That means it hasn't been made, so you can make it. <laughs> okay, well, thank you so much for being here. I'll just wrap it up, I guess. We'll say goodbye. Unless you want to do the outro for the show, you can do it for us. What's the outro? Like, I say thank you, and then I tell them to follow us on Instagram, and then... All right, yeah, sure. Okay, go for it. It's been fun talking to everyone today. Um, this is Tutu, guys. Follow us on Instagram for more great content. <laughs> Thank you. Perfect. It's been a pleasure talking to you as always. All right. Thanks. Take care. We'll talk to you later. Do you have a sense of belonging anywhere? Dance. Just dance. Dance.